we know that uh, Joe Biden ran a very uh, non-traditional campaign. That campaign included virtually nothing but hiding in his basement. He didn't do very many press uh, in interviews or conferences. He did very few public appearances. He basically hid in his basement throughout the entire campaign. He was able to use the COVID pandemic as cover for that approach. And it obviously seemed to pay off. But the question now becomes, is competent to lead this nation and the free world. Um, what, do the, what do our allies think? What do our adversaries think? This is Joe Biden uh, talking at the Pentagon in February. I will never, ever dishonest, d d dishonor you. I will never disrespect you. This is an organization that has defined American, excuse me, defeated American enemies. And Kathy Williams, the first African-American woman, Kathy, who enlisted in the United States Army for the proud Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen to fly more than 15,000 sorties in battle. That's why we moved so quickly to overturn the discriminatory, discriminatory ban on transgender service, and why General Austin's first memo was a directive to take a sexual assault in the military seriously. Yeah, the, he can't say uh, Tuskegee Airmen. He doesn't apparently know what they are. Scotty, are you connected? I can't tell. And did you did you see that clip? I, I can hear you right now. Okay. It comes in and out, but uh, I'm okay now. Yeah, okay. Well, obviously, here we have the commander-in-chief of the largest and most powerful, at least for the moment, military in the world. Uh, he's speaking. He can't put sentences together. He's mispronouncing names, mispronouncing words. What are our allies thinking? And what, are, more importantly, what are our adversaries thinking? You know, uh, my first take on that is, of course, you've got a president who uh, can't do a uh, public uh, press conference right now, uh, obvious for obvious reasons. You've got a president whose vice president is making all the calls to foreign heads of state, which is unprecedented. Uh, you've got uh, a president who the left, it seems, and I will say the left in general, seems to want to ignore that. Uh, while they were calling the former president, Trump, they were calling him demented and all of these things. He's going through dementia. I've heard all these mental comments made about him over the years and all the bad things about him. Yet you've got a president in that the left and the press, the mainstream media to coin a uh, not coin to use a very overused phrase, um, seems to be giving that all a pass. Oh, that's okay. He's our president. It's okay. Nobody wants to talk about that. And so I think it's very obvious that President Biden, and I've said this, and then I'll move on and let somebody else comment here, but I have said, I used to like Joe Biden, just in general. Not, I didn't agree with his political ideologies, but I thought he was a nice guy. This is all before, of course, all the hair sniffing stuff started coming out and all of that. But <laughs> I always thought Joe Biden was a guy who was ready to go home. He was ready to retire. When his son died, I think it knocked some winds out of it, wind out of his sails. There is also a thing about dementia that says the deep emotional crisis, like death and things like that, can uh, exacerbate the onset of dementia. I saw Joe as somebody who just wanted to go fishing. I'm done. I've done my time. It's over. And he got kicked, dragging and screaming back into this, probably under the pretense that, you know, you're going to be a, a just a figurehead for the left to get Donald Trump out of office and, and then everything that's ensued after that. So I don't think he's 
fully even aware of everything that is going on. Uh, he's got his handlers doing that for him. Yeah, well, he certainly doesn't seem aware when he's giving talks like that. And here's another uh, clip from him talking about preparing the military for our m more immediate challenges. Some of, some of it's relatively uh, straightforward work where we're making good progress, designing body armor that fits women properly, tailoring combat uniforms for women, creating maternity flight suits, updating, uh, updating requirements for their hairstyles. And some of it is going to take an, uh, you know, an, an intensity of purpose and mission. Duger, maternity flight suits, uh, updated hairstyles, uh, uh, uniforms that better fit women. Um, is this the uh, military of the 21st century? Well, I can't think of something more irrelevant for me when we're talking about hair and all that stuff. But anyways, this is, I don't know, this is scary, I think. I, I mean, you know, it's easy to make fun of and everything, but it, but I'm watching it. I have never seen that clip before. Uh, I've been a little bit out of it, but it's sort of like, okay, people, this is the leader and, you know, how did the uh, I guess how did the bar get so low? Um, and to have this sort of commentary, I don't know, I'm kind of blown away. Yeah, and not <laughs> only that, not only that, but as you're watching that particular clip, he's clearly struggling to read the teleprompter. He looks a bit like a deer in headlights. Brit, the Chinese Navy just recently surpassed the U.S. as the most powerful navy in the world at least in the number of ships and in the capabilities of a few of their ships outclass some of our equivalent ships should we be worried about uh maternity air suits i mean i can't even imagine sending women who are pregnant into a military mission that seems very very bizarre and very wrong to me well it's yeah, obviously I... just a political statement right i mean he's just doing this for you know political points and the reason he got elected is because of this whole social sort of yeah. Trump's a racist, Trump's anti-women, Trump's this and that. And it has nothing to do with policy and it has nothing to do with anything that the federal government's doing, more to do with how to play on people's emotions and how to label. And he's trying to take advantage of it. And that's you could tell he's not very natural at it. I mean, he's being teached or he's being taught how to do it and coached and he's obviously a puppet for others who have sort of gotten to this level of power by taking on this road of uh you know let's sort of start a whole warfare between you know sex or race right, or right, whatever it is right. and um you know and it's sooner or later it gets to a point where an issue really matters and then that goes and all of a sudden people want answers and the answers aren't in whether you're a man or a woman or black or white. And right. That's the problem is that we're going to hit the shit's going to hit the fan soon. Right. And Brit, as I said, the Chinese military, or the Chinese Navy in particular, has surpassed the U.S. Navy in, in size and in some cases capabilities. Uh, are we going to be able to pre be prepared to challenge or at least defend our interests when necessary? I am. So I don't believe any of the numbers that come out of China. I think they're full of shit. Um, they're, it's a lot of bravado. It's a lot of we are king. 
uh, don't mess with us. But the reality is they are a paper tiger compared to us right this second in time. We just rebuilt our military. It's second to none. We will devastate them. The only problem is they have, what, 2.7 billion people. Most of them are men or more than half are men. It's like an ant colony coming at us. Sadly, we will not be able to hold them off with conventional weapons because there's so many of them. We will have to go tactical nuke on them if they chose to invade us. They don't want to do that. They want our money. So we're good there. However, if you go back with all the stories that were suppressed, the stuff we can't say on YouTube uh, without getting nuked right away, um, they're communicating behind the scenes. Um, going to what uh, Dugo was just talking about, and Scotty, for that matter, with with his uh, dimension, when I personally feel really, really bad for Joe Biden. As a human being, this is an older man that is in dementia. I blame his family for allowing this to happen and the handlers around him that push this through just to get Trump out, do whatever. But what scares me the most is who is really running the government, who is really running the White House. And it is that one layer down, cabinet officials, the, the behind-the-scenes lobbyists and lever pullers and, you know, the Pelosi's and the Schumer's, and they're all in the back room, you know, da-da-da-da, making their little plans. And the sad thing is for Joe Biden is that he is going to take all of the blame of everything that goes down. He gets hit you don't with it think, all. Oh, but you don't think he deserves the blame, even though he may be incompetent and may be a, a vessel for these other folks? He's still the president. I don't think he knows what the hell's going on, to be honest with you, JV. I, you know, I really think he has far gone. Um, does he deserve blame for going? I, I'm pretty sure it's kind of like when you had to take, well, I don't know if you guys have had to do this, but taking the car keys away from your parents or your grandparents yeah. and their fight night still drive. I mean, I'm pretty sure in the beginning, Joe's like, I could do this because he wasn't that. Even if you go back a year and listen to him speak to today, it's fine. You go back. I mean, I was just watching stuff from him in the, in the late 80s, early 80s, mid 80s, late 80s. And man, he was good. He's a firebrand. Being a, yeah, being yes. a, a retail politician, and, yeah. and, and on, he definitely tell he's old. So, does he know everything that's going on? I don't think so. I, I think he fought to get in. Like, give me the car keys. I can drive. Damn it, leave me alone. <laughs> but he's now at the point where he, I don't think he knows really what's going on. It's underneath him. He just signed here. Just signed. I mean, he was literally signing all those executive orders. That's pile of executive. He goes, I, and he literally said on camera, "I don't know what I'm signing here." Yeah. As yeah. he's signing them, yeah. so. I feel bad, but the reality is it's it's one level beneath him that's kind of running the White House and pushing this stuff through, I personally believe, and that's the scary part. He's going to get stuck with all the blame, which he, he's president, so he deserves it, but he's going to get stuck with all the blame, and all the, 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 the Susan Rice-level people, they're just going to go off, scurry off into the corners when it all blows up, and they'll pop up in other administrations down the road and whatnot. And, all right, well, let's move yeah. on. Here, here's another clip, and, and we'll pick up this uh, these points right after this one. You know that both members of the uh, of the uh, of, of, of the military uh, couples can thrive while serving. Uh, Scott, do you want to translate that one for us? Uh, um, um, uh, yeah, that's about right. You know, <laughs> that's about right. Thing. Um, you know, again, I can only I, I got to tell you, as angered as I am by the administration right now. I feel sorry for Joe every time I see him. Um, I, I do. I honestly feel sorry for It's like watching somebody take my grandpa who is falling into dementia and putting him on stage. You know, he used to quote poetry and say, hey, quote that old poem you used to quote. Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, 
and trying to get a what poet, what, yeah. who, where am I? Um, I look at him and I go, this is like somebody's grandpa who is suffering from onset of dementia. And dementia, once it starts, it, it rapidly snowballs. Um, and I see, so I see him, I blame, going a little bit back to the previous uh, point that Britt was making, I blame Jill Biden a lot more than I blame anybody else that she would allow her husband to, I, I would never do that to my wife. There had to be some big offer on the table from the left that we don't know about. The left, the DNC, whoever is running all that, there had to be something going that made that appealing to say, hey, we're going to put Joe in office. And as a wife, she should have said, you can't do that to my husband. Yeah, He is he's declining in health. There is a reason well, yeah. that they allowed her to do that. Do you think, uh, Britt, do you think she knows or do you think she's blinded by their public life? You know, they've been in public service basically all their lives, so she doesn't know the difference. I think she knows exactly what's going on, uh, and this is just my prediction. I have no inside info on this, just a hunch that if Joe does have to be checked out from the presidency, there's gonna she's gonna have a lobby campaign to take his place as opposed to it going to the VP. You yeah, watch. but she can't. There's, 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 no, there's no basis for that. There's no way she can do that. Duger, Duger, he's we, we are two, not even two months into this presidency and the man already can't string a sentence to get together. I mean, I can't imagine him making a year, let, let alone four. Yeah. And some of this has been predicted before, right? I mean, I don't think everyone's surprised by this. I mean, even go back to the election, the primary, I mean, he was on his way to losing to Sanders. Right. And what happened was the people underneath fixed it in the party and they all dropped out so he could get the delegates and he could win the primary. And it's and so he he owes people, right? And whether he knows it or not, he these people own him now. So I, I think that's what's going on. My guess is, like Britt says, he really doesn't know where the hell he is, or, or yeah. to a degree, he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I th Duger, and I think I think you. I don't I don't think you need to back off this. He doesn't know where the hell he is because in this next clip, he just doesn't know where he is. General. Von Ovest, uh, Ovest and Lieutenant General Richardson. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the, the, the uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. He doesn't know the name of his defense secretary. Now listen, we are not doing this to make fun of Joe Biden. That is not what the point is here. The point of, of highlighting this and talking about it is this is the commander in chief. This is the president of the United States. This is the leader of the free world. And he is clearly act, uh, operating substandard here. And that is a problem. I would think that uh, everyone, regardless of party, would recognize this can be a serious problem. Do they not, Scotty? Uh, yes, I think everybody already knows. I think everybody on his team knows. Um, there, there, there's this whole thing about, you look at uh, uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president. You look at her, she was the one who had some of the lowest numbers during the campaign, and she was the first one to drop out. Yet now she is one half a step off the presidency. That's right. How did that happen? Who put this into play? Who Who is making the wheels turn on this? Um, you're going to have an administration that is being run by a guy. And, and by the way, I also think they are starting to run in. And I'd be curious what uh, Duger and uh, 
and what Brit have to say about this too, they're starting to see already very soon on that there are going to be things that the president cannot deal with. And they're already running into some things, the criticisms. You know, they had a uh, they had a party going in. They were pounding pinatas and uh, <laughs> scooping up the candy in the election. And uh, man, this thing is hitting them right now that Biden can't even do a press conference. He can't talk about the border. He can't talk about anything without his handlers putting that in front of his face. Uh, which is very different than the last president. Yeah, he's even so. he's even struggling with a uh, with a teleprompter at this point. And Duger, last word on this particular topic, or Britt, you you want to add something? I, I just wanted to piggyback on Scotty's reference of pounding pinatas, uh, and that visual that's in my head of Joe Biden <laughs> pounding on a pinata is a little weird. <laughs> but Duger, yeah, there, there, there Duger, what do you what do you predict six months from now? Do we still have a president Biden? Well, I think. Yeah, I, I think we do. I think this is going to go on for a while. Um, I mean, they're they're doing their best to hide this, right? I mean, not having press conferences, not answering questions, things like that. If this so is their go best, on on. I said, if this is their best, we're they're in trouble. Yeah. All right. Good point. Yeah, well, I, again, I just think I just think it's gonna I think it's gonna linger and linger. And I don't. My prediction is two years from now, something happens and it's Harris, and then we, you know. Move on, but I'm more worried about the policies than I am. Yeah, well, of Biden course, of course. I almost think he's. I almost think he's almost, in a bizarre way. He's marginalized. So what's really happening? We don't know what's really going on there. That's the problem. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll close this part of our discussion out with this. Again, we're not making fun of Joe Biden. This is a very, very serious issue when when the leader of the free world, in fact, his own party has been talking about uh, removing his sole uh, uh, jurisdiction over the nuclear codes. I mean, that's a very serious uh, issue in itself. So, um, you know. Hey, can I ask you, Jimmy, just real quick before we move off of this? Um, what do you what do you think this is going to do to the 2022 elections, the midterm elections? Uh, if you're saying we're lining this up and Duger just said maybe in two years, we'll see in two years, we got midterm elections. And uh, how do you think this is going to bode for the Biden administration? I uh, let's assume for a minute that this travesty H.R. one, which is being called the quote-unquote Voting Rights Act or Voting Rights Bill, whatever it happens to be. Let's assume for a minute that that does not become law, because if that becomes law, all bets are off. It becomes institutionalized fraud in our elections, and uh, you can't you can't uh, guess uh, the outcome of anything at that point. Uh, the other thing we have to hope doesn't happen at this point is that D.C. and or Puerto Rico become states, because that will also greatly shift the balance of power in Washington. So put those things aside. I think that the 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 administration and whoever's pulling those strings and the Democrats in Congress and the Senate are so overreaching right now that I think they're already setting up for massive losses in both the Senate and the House in 2022. Now that could be me being optimistic, you know, with myself, I don't know, but I can't understand how average Americans, and we're going to get into some of these issues as we talk, but average Americans see these things coming out of Washington, as Duger pointed out, you know, the battle of the sexes or non-sexes, if you will, or race against race, or, you know, this climate change agenda that is going to destroy the middle class. People aren't going to take this 
kindly. And right now they got their $1,400 checks in a quote unquote stimulus bill or COVID relief package, whatever it is, which is none of the sort, but either way, they're going to get their checks. Once those checks are cashed, they're going to be thinking about these other things. So talk about bread and circuit. Yeah, exactly. So with that, let's, let's, let's move our conversation on. Oh my God. Hey, you know, I, 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 you know, we're, we're talking about Joe Biden and whatnot and how he's there and, and what the reality is, is the media plays a huge part in what went down and how this went down. Right. And one of the things that I've, I've just been watching the last couple of days, it's just been tripping me out is this whole uh, thing about Texas, be, you know, going back to normal, no more mask mandate. And the media took that and just ran with it. And, you know, Texas is going to kill everybody. And, and they're, they're just freaking out. But I pulled up a map and all these states in red. No, this ain't going to work. Darn it. My back, my background. Well, there's, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 other states that don't have any mandates or are pretty much free. And, I, you know, so Scotty, I, the media is freaking out over Texas. Uh, the states have been massless for a while. Or 16. Why is the media driving this? I mean, why go after Ve uh, Texas so hard when they let, you know, Idaho and Montana and North Dakota, so they, they let and them kind of how, be free? It's how they won the election in the first place. The COVID is not a fake thing. I understand that it's a real virus and so on. I think it's been pimped up. It was pimped up in in the political game in order for the left to win the election um that was something that was one of the biggest factors that they were trying to play against trump so they've got to keep that alive probably at least for two years would be my guess to the next election and uh, that's a hunch yeah that's a hunch on my part so i so i took the same map of the states that are you know Texas and Florida are going to kill everybody, et cetera, et cetera. So I took the map. I compared it to the uh, deaths per 100,000 of COVID, the seven-day running average, which comes from – it's uh, put out by the CDC. This is actually – I pulled this off of CNN uh, from March 9th, so it's re re uh, recent. So, JV, so help me understand this. So we have Texas and Florida. They're supposedly killing everybody because they're wide open, no masks. Uh, tech, uh, Florida has 1.9 deaths per 100,000 of their population. Texas has 1.4 deaths per 100,000. Now, the two comparable states, the polar opposite, the heavily locked down states with comparable populations is California and New York. California has 1.4 deaths per 100,000. Florida has, or I'm sorry, New York has 2.0 deaths per 100,000. So the numbers are damn near the same, but one... One set of states, economy's doing great. The businesses are doing great. Their suicide rates, their drug addicted rates are are about normal for what they are. But you take California and New York, and their suicide rates are through the roof. I mean, there there was just two kids in the last month in my kids' school district that committed suicide. Um, New York is a freaking mess. People are leaving. Their debt's out of control. Why are we locking down? Why are, these politicians are still going for the lockdowns when the numbers? I'm sorry, but numbers don't care about our politics. They are what they are. They're Why doubling should we down lock is what they're doing. Yeah, well, I think we're in a we're in a position right now where those who were wrong all this time, 
are having trouble. Well, not having trouble. They're damn right refusing to admit they were wrong. So therefore, they have to continue to espouse policies that simply don't work. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to keep people uh, as safe as you can from the spreading of a communicable disease, in this case, a virus that, that causes a severe respiratory infection. I get it. I get why you'd want to do that. But at the same time, when people can't feed themselves, when children can't go to school, when uh, mothers can't see their children or their grandchildren, and you know, folks who are uh, confined to some type of rest home get no visitors from family members, there, there, there are costs associated with all that too. And I want to say something about Texas and Florida. It's amazing to me. Texas and Florida did a fantastic job of balancing the need for public health uh, restrictions, in some cases very few, um, but also understanding the need to maintain economic um, uh, in some cases, viability for people. They did a fantastic job. And the national media and these blue states that didn't do it that way are angry about it. And when Texas had this winter storm recently, or they had the power issues, the media went after Texas harder than it would have gone after anybody because they're trying to get some payback for Texas's success with the COVID thing. And the same thing with Florida. There was an article today talking about how so many uh, elites that left New York are now thinking about coming, going back after they've been in Florida for a month because they don't want to be in, you know, they're, they're, they're desperate to unwind these successes as best they can because it's egg on their face and they just simply won't admit they're wrong. Exactly. Okay. So, so we have, okay. So we have all this stuff, the media, our politicians doing this stuff that the regular, we're, we're just going, what? So, okay. So I have, I have three stories here, three articles about, about COVID and uh, well, actually about the lockdowns and the mental health effect on the lockdowns. So I have one that is from uh, the university of Illinois. It was a study and they're saying that the negative mental health effects uh, on lockdowns will dissipate in a short amount of time. So university should be reputable, honest people, right? Doing the study. So then I have uh, this from the CDC. The CDC published the thing, and it is about how lockdowns are devastating uh, on a mental health on a mental health crisis level, and that uh, and that uh, the suicides are going up and drug overdoses are going up because the lockdowns are really horrible. And then I have the WHO. Right here, this is from the WHO, World Health Organization, and they're saying that lockdowns should be used as an absolute last resort. So me, as just a just a Joe Blow construction working dude, I, I look at I got a university, I've got I've got uh, uh, the CDC, I got the WHO, I got other universities, other white papers from reputable think tanks. They're all saying something different, and how the hell? Am I supposed to sit back and look at this? And then I, and then we watch the news, the mainstream corporate controlled news, and they're saying lockdown, lockdown, everybody's crazy. If you don't believe in COVID, you're a Neanderthal and you're going to kill everybody. How does the regular person sort through this and know what the hell to believe? And I will ask Duger that question. Well, I, I mean, this, this really hits me hard. I mean, because I think it's the most important issue right now in this country. And I think it's going to decide 2022, 2024 for elections and all that, because what happens in Texas and Florida over the long haul is very important. And when the facts come out and when the science has all been done and everything, and we can all look back, 
basically an answer key. It's a saying who was right and who was wrong and who acted appropriately and who protected their people and did it in the right way. Not just protected them from COVID, but protected them from all the other lockdown things that Jim was talking about that cause all these problems. So I think this is I think this is a big, big thing that we're going through right now. And you know, I'm from the Northeast, New York, Connecticut, the most blue states, and I just got down to Florida. And tonight, and I'll tell you, I mean, it is such a happier place to be right now. Um, and it doesn't feel at all uh, like uh, dangerous in a COVID way. I mean, people just going about their business. And um, I just, uh, I, I can't believe that these people get away with it. And I, I also want to just say, back to Jim's point originally about how they're almost the people who were pro lockdown and putting fear in everyone's minds. I've really just doubled down to prove that they were right. It's more about them being right than doing what's right for society or anyone. And then you really want to get into it. The school situation is out of control in some of these States. Um, you know, I, I see it with my kids and stuff. It just, it breaks my heart. And it usually comes down to the people who are hurt the most by these lockdowns are the people who don't have any pull. So the people without the strong unions, the people without the big corporations behind them, whatever, you know, the, the local pizza shop owner doesn't, you know, he has to shut down and he can't have people, but the big Walmart store is fine. We could have a thousand people in Walmart but we can't have them at Nick's Diner. And, you know, the public school system with the teachers union is the same thing where the students, they don't vote. We don't care about the students. They're, they're, not, they're not paying anything. So until we see evidence of like, that they are wrong in this, which they are, I'm 110% convinced that they are wrong with all these lockdowns and all these restrictions and all this lack of freedom and everything about it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but I think it's I think this is the most <laughs> important issue in this country because it calls out calls out the hypocrisy and the BS of a political class saying they're fighting for the little people, fighting for the underprivileged fighting for all these people and they're the ones they're crushing because if you think about it and i see it in connecticut the people who are least affected by these lockdowns are the people that can go to their little shore house or their whatever and they can work remotely and all that stuff it's not you know and then and it just it drives me crazy the whole thing i mean i feel like i just want to punch them in the face <laughs> And you know, the whole thing is really, you can see how it's all focused on, on politics. It's a political game. It's a football in the political game and it's finances. You just think very quickly to the woman we saw in the news a couple of months ago who had her bar and grill shut down in California, had the same exact setup as the movie that was being shot that had 200 nope. people a day in their commissary set up there. She said they could have used my facility for this, but they didn't. She's shut down by mandate, but they're serving 200 people there. Well, because they go through their COVID tests every day and, you know, we make sure everybody's clean. 
No, it's where the money is for California. That's why they didn't shut mm -hmm. them down. And so COVID right. is the best way to cure COVID is to make sure that everybody is hurt financially by it uh, and uh, or they can gain financially by opening the schools up or opening businesses up. When that happens, you'll see COVID die a quick death. Well, you know, one thing yeah, COVID yeah. has done, by the way, COVID's killed the flu. There's been no, yeah. there was no flu. <laughs> Zero report. flu. Yeah, that's right. That's so scared it left. That is amazing. I know. Uh, my little, I have one little story of my, because I'm in California, for those that don't know, and I am in the Hollywood area. So I fill up at this gas station. It's a 7-Eleven uh, almost every other day. But it, um, I, I spend probably 500 bucks in fuel a week. Um, so I, I put my mask on. I'm walking in. And as I'm walking up, I see two worker type dudes, hardcore, burly, you know, road workers. And they don't have masks on. And I'm like, oh, they don't have masks on? Screw it. I'm taking my mask off. So I rip my mask off. And I go walking in all proud. And I get my shit. And I'm standing in line. And then I see this uh, another dude come walking up. And he has his mask on. And he looks in. And he sees us without our masks on. And he goes, oh, screw it. And he takes his mask off. We had a little anti-mask <laughs> mutiny at 7-Eleven. And then the guy behind the counter, he took his mask off. It was, and then we all laughed about it, about how stupid this shit is. Um, anyway, so that's was, my little, that's my story. Yeah. I was standing in a in a uh, Target store with my wife. We'd been in there, and we had to wear our masks up in Wisconsin, Minnesota area, and uh, we had our masks on for a bit. And I sometimes I just rebel and I pull them down. And uh, we're in the checkout. We've got about. $300 worth of stuff in our cart. And I'm standing in a very crowded checkout lane and I hear this voice. It's an employee. It's a girl. Excuse me, sir. You have to put up your mask. And uh, I looked around and I saw some female employee over there that yelled it across the crowd. And I said, excuse me, young lady. I said, if you'd like to approach me and talk to me about that, you can. If you're going to yell at me across the crowd, I'll take my business elsewhere. I said, I'm still a customer, whether my mask is pulled up or not. And uh, she didn't say another word. I, I don't usually go into outbursts in public, although I can. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's that kind of impoliteness and discourtesy that's come along with the whole mask issue. I've had several stores where I've, I, I gotta tell you, I was in a bookstore and I had a, a guy approach me and I only use this voice, it's my liberal left voice. And he goes, excuse me, sir, you need to be wearing your mask. And I said, well, I said, I have a asthma uh, or a form of it or something like that. And I said, I, said, I, I can't wear my mask. Well, uh, oh, a lady said that to me first. Then he came around and told me this, and she, she like rallied the troops. Oh, man. And I had three employees approach me from different areas telling me I needed to, but, well, if you can't be in the store with your mask, we can certainly just give us your list. We'll do your shopping. I said, I'm browsing. I don't know what I want. And uh, so it has become a thing where I, I, I said after that, I said, if you want to get good service in a store, your mask <laughs> All right, we got to move on because we're going to run out of time here. I want to talk a little bit about unity and bipartisanship because we're hearing from our national media, from the White House, from President Biden himself and others, how important bipartisanship and unity is. Now, one of the things we've learned very, very quickly is that 
the definition of bipartisanship and or unity is that Republicans must agree with everything that Demo the Democrats want. If not, if they don't, then they are just being obstructionists. And all of this talk has led to more discussion about the elimination of the filibuster. Here's some media moron talking about the elimination of the filibuster. So there are progressives, many of them in the United States Senate, who say, look, Mr. President, Republicans are never going to vote with us. It's just a fact of life. So we ought to get rid of the filibuster. Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about that yesterday. The president's preference is not to get rid of the filibuster. We're about to, he's on the verge of passing a historic relief bill that's going to cut child poverty in half and create 7 million jobs. Uh, he's met with members on both sides of the aisle in the Oval, and he wants to continue to work on a bipartisan basis. Uh, and we believe uh, there are opportunities to do exactly that. Scotty, isn't the idea here, isn't the system set up so that when you have what would might be considered an extreme piece of legislation, and this COVID relief bill is, is the perfect example because it just happened, that the majority party is supposed to take suggestions from the minority party, find some middle ground somewhere to at least win enough votes to clear a filibuster situation and move the legislation forward. Isn't that kind of what it's supposed to be about? Well, remember, and, and a, an opinion that is very looked down on today, our founders were pure genius when it came to setting up how our government operates. And legislation, there is such a balance of power in legislator, legislation that there are very few opportunities for there to be situations where for great periods of time, only one side can decide what's going on with legislation. Legislation is supposed to be something that is, you come to, it's the system is built. So both sides have to either be on the same page or you've got to convince that other side that what you're doing is the right way to go, or at least work out compromises between the two. Um, so yeah, legislation is supposed to be something that, uh, what, what did I hear the, the late, sad to say, the late Rush Limbaugh once said many years ago, he said, gridlock is good. Yeah, I've always gridlock said that. Gridlock in legislation is good. He says, the longer the government the legislators are in gridlock the longer you hold on to your wallet and this is a truism to a certain point gridlock is good the congress was not meant to move fast it was meant to move deliberately and slowly and methodologically in order to achieve legislation that betters the country well and and especially when it's radical legislation that is far to one side right or left the, the process is supposed to encourage input from the minority side to bring that radical legislation more toward the center. That's how it's supposed to work. Here's the same media moron. I want to play this clip, too. So, Gene, progressives say that, look, this process that we're living through right now is evidence that you should get rid of the filibuster, because if you can't get Republicans to work with you on a bill that gives money to their own constituents, that helps them get out from this avalanche of the last year under the restrictions of COVID and all the economic crisis that has flowed from it, they're never going to work with you. So you might as well plow through and get rid of the filibuster. So first of all, this idiot uh, misrepresents the quote unquote COVID relief bill completely. Um, but Brit, the quote is, if you can't get Republicans to work with you on a bill that gives money to their constituents, then they're never going to work with you anyway. So why not plow through and get rid of the filibuster? 
Well, number one, I would point out uh, careful what you ask for, because remember when Harry Reid got rid of the filibuster for judges? Yeah. And that's how Trump got yep. three Supreme Courts justices on the on the on the bench. So be careful what you wish for, because everything is cyclical. The pendulum goes back and forth, and at some point, the opposition will be back in power. Uh, with that said, with that said, this is scary stuff. I believe the and, and and I need to clarify. I what's going on right now? I do not think is just the Democrats. I think it's of the circle, the establishment that of the, the the Democrats and the Republican that establishment, lifelong politicians, bureaucrats, lobbyists, etc. They're the ones doing all this together. Sadly, the Republicans don't fight like the Democrats. Like like Scotty just said, uh, it, the founders made it supposed to be gridlock, slow, meticulous. That's what the Republicans do. Mitch McConnell's like, okay, you guys, slow down a little bit. But the Democrats are like, oh, man, speed racer, fifth gear, hammer that shit home. Let's punch that starfish and go. We're getting our stuff through. We got two years to do this. We got to get it so far down the rabbit hole that if we lose everything, they can't come back out without great pain. So this is what they want. This guy, this news guy, JV, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a hard news reporter, supposedly, right? Supposedly, he's yeah. Not a, uh, he's not a Sean Hannity, or right? A right. No, he's not, com- he's not a. He's not. He's not a commentator. He's not. A, he's not a talk show host. He's. A, he's supposed to be a reporter. Supposed to be hard news. Well, he's very, very slanted hard news. Um, but that's what they want. That's what they want. Easy. They want us to go back to sleep. Orange man, mad. Orange man is gone. Let's go back. They'll go back to sleep and we can keep doing what we're doing. And all those politicians and lobbyists and elite media, they're all grifting and getting rich and their family's getting rich. And that's what they want to go back to. But, and, but, but Duger, Duger, the, the funny thing about all of this is that the media and the Democrats act as though they have this mandate, particularly in the Senate. The Republicans actually, in fact, aren't even a minority in a Senate. It's 50 50. They are equal. The only reason the Democrats, Chuck Schumer and company, have control of what happens in the Senate is because a tie in the Senate is broken by the vice president, who happens to be a Democrat. So the Republicans, in fact, really aren't a minority at all. And didn't they just pass two COVID relief bills in 2020 um, that totaled somewhere in the neighborhood of three or four trillion dollars themselves? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the big thing is this is why everyone loves split government, right? I mean, one side gets too much power and then the fringe of that political party ends up having all the power. So they're the ones dictating the legislation and everything. So right now, the, you know, even though it's a 50-50 Senate, they have it with Harris's tie-breaking vote. They don't need one Republican to go on board with them to get what they want passed. Now, what's going to happen is my prediction is this country always goes back to the center, and that's where the majority of the people are. There's people on the left, there's people on the right, and when one party has all the power, they get way too far to that side, and then it goes back, and, it, and the pendulum swings. So right now we're experiencing this. The difference is the media, what you brought up, is yeah. how this media became so partisan, and obviously it's you know much more left-leaning than right, um, but how it how these news people like you said hard hard media became they wear it on their sleeve now they don't even pretend. they don't try to hide it it just seems like no yeah. so that's the difference where you know like you watch those clips of biden talking and you know you don't even see that on cnn or nbc or cnbc or anything it's kind of 
it's sad that the media has just not done their job anymore. And hopefully, um, you know, social media can balance that out. I mean, that's what I think the, the good thing about the social media is that, you know, you don't have to just sit there and watch three channels anymore. Right. But what, haven't but, we seen social uh, media become also a, uh, a, a basically an editor when it comes to which opinions they want to have uh, seen by people? Yeah. I mean, they have been become yeah. a publisher yeah. themselves and they're throttling certain sides as as well. Scotty, let me ask you this because we're going to run out of time here. Um, as it relates to this COVID criticism, this COVID bill criticism that that reporter brought up saying the Republicans won't even pass a bill that gives their constituents money. Um, the Republicans, if I'm not mistaken, offered several amendments during this process. Amendments that had they been de debated and adopted in some fashion probably would have won some votes. I think the overall bill is kind of a sham uh, when, Major uh, from sham. the get-go. Major sham. Uh, because if you're going to, all I will say about this, and I actually have to exit in about uh, two minutes here, um, but the uh, uh, the whole COVID relief bill is a sham because it's not about helping individuals who have been hurt by COVID. There is a small part of that. And we've all 9%. gone through this before with the first COVID bill, uh, even under Trump. Um, and now this second one, how much of this goes to help the American public? How much of this benefits the American public? How much helps the American public get back on their feet, um, a very small percentage point of it. Yeah. Um, we're, I don't think we're going to have time to move on to another topic here. I just want to ask Duger one more question about this COVID bill. Um, as Britt pointed out, 9% of this actually goes to, in some kind of payments to Americans to help relieve uh, financial hardship as, relate, as it relates to the uh, pandemic. This is a $2 trillion bill on top of about $4 trillion that was spent last year. How much money can the federal government spend, Duger, before we start to see something, whether it manifests itself in the economy through inflation or we have a, a worldwide uh, economic collapse because of this printing and borrowing? I mean, I think you hit it right in the head. Inflation is the key right now in the short term. So what, if we ever have inflation hit in this economy, which a lot of people are starting to become a little bit concerned about, then it's game over. Because what happens is financing this debt is becomes impossible. Um, right now, they're borrowing at one, one to one and a half percent. So it's almost like borrowing doesn't matter. You might as well borrow yeah. because even if you're getting 60 cents on the dollar in GDP growth out of a out of deficit spending it still doesn't kill you because but once you start getting interest rates higher then it becomes absolutely impossible because you can't keep up with the growth the growth can't keep up with the debt i should say so uh that's the key right now economically i think for this country and it's kind of ironic because you know you're looking to grow but that growth is going to lead to inflation which is going to lead to major problems down the line um but uh, you know, it, it's a little depressing when you start looking at the. the well, I mean, here, here's here's the another thing, and these people don't care. Yeah, and here's another thing. I'm going to throw this to Britt, and I know Scotty that you've got to you've got to run because you've got your program you need to do. I've thanks. Yeah, thanks for being here with us, uh, Britt. We had a couple other topics we're going to talk about. We just don't have time, but let me just throw this out to you. So, the federal government in the last um, 
well, let's say year, last 12 months, has spent close to $6 trillion uh, it, trying to support this economy um, from the effects of their shutdowns, basically. It's not the pandemic that did this to the economy. It's the shutdowns that did this to the economy. So they've spent $6 trillion. Now we're going to go, we're going into, you know, we still have regular needs. This country is desperate for some infrastructure improvements and upgrades and maintenance to the tune of probably several trillion dollars. This country has has defense needs, particularly in light of what we talked about earlier with the Chinese Navy and the Chinese threat, plus other threats around the world. We've got a lot of real needs that are just ongoing that as we spend all this money elsewhere, are we going to be able to find the money to take care of these real immediate problems? Well, first off, uh, the you do know that the first two COVID packages they haven't spent all that money, right? That there are still uh, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe uh, hundreds of billions of dollars not spent. So we still have money to spend from the previous um, two. We will. They're, they're just going to print it, but so as Americans, we are lucky that our dollar is tied to oil, to Petro, the petrodollar they call it. Every country that buys oil has to buy it in American dollars. If that ever goes away, we you will see the bottom fallout Venezuela style. But as long as we have that, we can float along here. But the chickens will come home to roost eventually. Is that right? Is that the right saying? The chickens come home? The chickens will come, come home, home to, home roost. to roost, yes. Um, eventually. But uh, uh yeah, they'll just keep printing. Well, and, but, but printing but is borrowing. Printing is borrowing. It's the same. It's the same yeah, no, thing, no, no, no. and it has the same and, consequence. And honest, it's not even printing anymore. I mean, someone I saw someone did a statistical run with if all the printing presses ran twenty four seven, it would take like nineteen years to print the amount of money that we've authorized. Print money now is just zeros on a keyboard. One zero 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 send. One zero 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 send. So it's not even printing anymore, and we're just sending it out there. Um, I think we, you and I, JV, I don't know how old Duger is, or, but I think we're going to see the tail end of the chaos, but our kids are screwed. Well, our kids are legitimately screwed. What we're hoping is that uh, programs and discussions like this one will help other people see the light and we can straighten out this battleship before it's too late. Um, we're basically out of time. Duger, anything you want to add before we end this one? No, it's been a uh, real joy to hang out and talk to you guys. I wish I was a little more... Uh knowledgeable to deal with this panel we have up here <laughs> well i think i think the beautiful thing about this and i think the charm that this program hopefully will ultimately have is that none of us are experts on any of this we're just talking from the heart and from the gut and and i think we're trying to offer perspective that average americans uh can feel and see and understand that's really the approach so i think and i think we hit the mark i want everybody first of all i want to thank everybody for joining us we had a nice crowd tonight even though this was the first program Thank you. Please subscribe to this YouTube channel and please share the programs with uh, anyone else who you think might be politically interested. Uh, I won't say right-minded because the idea here is to change people's minds and hopefully we're going to accomplish some of that. And then, Britt, I know we both had some more material we wanted to talk about, but these conversations just got too good. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Let's move it to Friday. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Hey, thanks, everybody. Appreciate you all being here. Duger, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you, Scotty, who had to leave early for his own program. And uh, we'll see you next time.